Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today joining me for episode 90 of the podcast is Matt Collins of Over the Monster. Uh, Matt, welcome back. Thank you. So, um, all is not as well in Red Sox Nation as uh, it has been for most of the year. The sky is falling. Yeah, the sky is falling. Uh, I'm sure people are letting you know that the sky is falling on Twitter, Um, so that's been happening. I had, I had like, 50 people coming to work today like actually freaking out and i was kind of like i was like thinking to myself like i didn't think these people were like real (laughs) i thought these were like robots on the internet (laughs) yeah it seems like it i mean i I guess it's so strange because this is the first time the Sox have lost three straight since april april 21st through the 24th um so yeah this is unprecedented for this team we've had more uh winning streaks uh, this year of, you know, six-plus games, it seems like, than losing even a couple in a row. So this is this is weird. So um, let's talk the public off the ledge, Matt. Why is this not really such a big deal? Um, because they're 49 games over 500, and they're leading the division by eight games. Um, I mean, I kind of wrote about it today, and it's – hard to really say why it's not a big deal without sounding like you're kind of like a condescending douche you know what (laughs) I mean like I I try not to talk down to people but at the same time it's just like have you watched a season of baseball before like this is how it works sometimes teams go through bad stretches Uh, I mean I think last year's Dodgers are probably the best example they were like the greatest team of all time for the first four months or whatever and then they struggled pretty badly for an extended period of time down the stretch and then they made the world series so it's just you never really know how these things are gonna go um i get that 2011 isn't that far away but like let's wait let's wait until we start talking about that awful awful time yeah, I don't think you can go there after uh, a three-gamer like this. That's, uh, you know, in, in, until a skid gets to, like, six games, I'm not really that concerned about it. Obviously, I'm very uncomfortable with the whole thing. Like, Yeah, it's uh, like it, winning is better than losing. Right, like, right. that's always the case. So, like, it's obviously not good that it's happening, but it's it's ultimately it's just a couple of losses. And, I mean, it feels like... It feels like the Astros series at towards the beginning of the year, which is kind of a long time ago now, but it was the same thing where they lost the first two games and everyone was saying, this team can't beat real contenders, they're screwed, and then they won the next two. And it kind of feels like nobody ever talks about the fact that they split that series and they didn't have Mookie for that series either, which is a big deal. But I kind of get the same feeling. I think a lot of people are probably going to be listening to this after tonight's game. So I don't know what happened yet, but if they I, win tonight, it's like I really hope that people will just like chill out. I think they're gonna win tonight. I mean, the pitching matchup isn't great, so I don't know if I would predict a win. But Brian Johnson's been solid, though. Brian Johnson will keep you in a game. I think that uh, you know this team has been feels like Jose Ramirez is uh, due for a game. Eh. He's been pretty bad this series. Maybe, but you could say the exact same thing about Mookie. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. listen, I, it's like a it's 50-50 game. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Carrasco hasn't been Carrasco this year either, so. He's been really good lately, man. Eh, you know what? I'm not worried about it. The Red Sox are at home. I feel good I, about it. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they won, and I wouldn't be shocked if they lost, just like every other individual baseball game that's ever been played. Do you uh, know who the, the team is that they uh, dropped uh, – uh, two out of three, two during that other three game losing yeah, Oakland. Streak. That's when they got no hit, right? Yep, it was Oakland. Oakland uh, for two games, and so. then they dropped uh, another one to Toronto right after that. So, yeah, there's uh. Oakland's the only. I mean, Cleveland right now, but obviously it's only been two games. But Oakland's the only like of the American League contenders. They're the only team that's actually like handled the Red Sox. Yeah, they looked really good against the Red Sox early yeah. in the year. And that was. Oddly, before they started being good, which is kind of weird. 
Yeah, that was a. I remember that because we were podcasting uh, shortly thereafter that series, and we were all kind of like weirded out about how good the Oakland offense was. I remember talking about that because it was like first first stretch there. I don't know if it still is, but it was a top three offense in baseball for a while. Well, now I mean the hindsight's obviously twenty twenty, but I mean I kind of see it now. It's the pitching that's like what the fuck. Like yeah. Brett Anderson and Edward Jackson and Mike Fires. And, like, and Cahill. <laughs> Cahill had a Cahill. shutout the other day. Yeah, it's like, that's not, that's not fair. No, it's weird. They're doing some weird stuff over in I Oakland. Like them, They're probably my second favorite team in baseball right now. They're fun. They're a second half team. They always have been. You know? Yeah. The Moneyball, I just watched that earlier this week. Nice. Yeah, the 20-game one streak was in the second half, right? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um... You know what? I want to talk about this three-gamer a little bit more. I didn't feel like the Sox were, like, totally out of these three games, though, until yesterday's game. Like, I thought that the Tampa Bay game, like, they had a chance. I don't even remember the the Tampa Bay game. I mean, it wasn't that memorable, but the the Cleveland— Which that one? Was that Velasquez? That was the Velasquez game. Yeah, Yeah, I remember it. The the first one against Cleveland, I mean, I thought they should have won that game with— you know, the men that they oh, they, on base against Allen. Uh, and Kluber. I mean, they had yeah. Kluber on the ropes early in the game, and they didn't take advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, they haven't looked, like, terrible. No. Um, the starting pitching certainly could be better, but, yeah, it's not like they lost, like, 15 nothing three times in a row or anything like that. Yeah, it's uh, they've they've lost without looking terrible, which is, you know, as, as good as you can ask for team's gonna lose um what's your what's your concern level about them still winning the division and finishing with the best record in the al are you still confident they're going to be able to do both of those things Mm, i'm still confident they're gonna win the division i don't know do you know who has the second best record it's i assuming it's the astros slash a's nope it's the yankees do they yep Hmm. yep well then i guess i'm pretty confident in them doing both yeah. I thought the yes, I thought the the West teams were better. Yeah, they're two games back of the Yankees. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Jeez, mm-hmm. man, it sucks to be the Yankees. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's unbelievable. But it's only eight games, and uh, they still have a lot more games to play head to head with New York. So. Uh, they, uh, I mean, they still have. I think Fangraphs has them at like. Oh, I just looked at this morning. They're like 92 percent or something to win the division, and I think. BP has them even higher, so. I like it. I like it, but I've played poker before, so I know that you can be sucked out on when you've had uh, 90% odds. Well, yeah. I mean, it's the same thing as, like, when people talk about 2011. It's like, I I think everyone's aware that it's possible. It's just, like, it's not worth the energy to worry about it right now. No. I'm going to worry about it if the collapse is happening in September. BP has them at 93.5. Fangrouse has them at 91.4. I'll take those odds. It's okay by me. I want to get to Mookie, though, because over this last stretch here, I'm looking at his game log right now. Uh, Going back to the 18th, um, the second game of the Tampa series, he went 0 for 4. Next night, he went 0 for 4. Uh, First game against Cleveland, he had two hits. And then last night, he goes 0 for 4. Um... That is by far the worst stretch that he's had all season. He's had an incredible year, obviously. But you before that, you had to go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 games before the 18th uh, where he was no hit for a game. I mean, that just goes to show you like how weird it is to see him go over 4. Yeah, I mean, I think it speaks more to how good he's been than anything else. Um he definitely hasn't looked the same, but nobody who's in a slump looks the same. Right. That's like kind of the thing, like the whole team is like people will say, oh, this shows the holes, and they're saying that about Mookie too, and it's like, yeah, when they lose, they look worse. <laughs> like you're not breaking any news here. He's been more passive. I mean, I think that's the one thing I've definitely noticed. He's letting more strikes go by, and he's getting deeper in the counts, and he's a good enough two-strike hitter that he can survive that a lot of the time, but still, he was... The reason it seems like he took 
that step forward this year is that he's jumping on early pitches and taking advantage, and it feels like he hasn't really been doing that lately. So hopefully tonight he'll do that against Carrasco. Yeah, and, and even though August has been a little bit of a rough go for him, he has a 186 WRC plus in the month. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but no, looking bigger picture, uh, he has been a different player in the second half. He's got a 138 uh, WRC plus in the second half uh, versus 200 for the first half. Uh, his strikeout rate has gone from 11.8% in the first half to 19.5% in the second half, uh, and he's walking less too. So uh, everything has been worse, although even during this second half stretch, he's got almost a 900 OPS. So um, he's gone from basically uh, the Monstars version of a baseball player uh, to just like the best baseball player. Yeah, and I mean, this is like... He's, like, visibly looked bad. Like, even without the numbers, like, you watch him and you're like, oh, wow, he looks, like, way worse. Yeah. And so if this is what he looks like when you're saying that to yourself, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. Plus, like you said, I mean, he's at 186 in August, which leads me to believe those second half numbers are mostly from the second half of July. Yeah, it's uh, June, he had a 140, uh, July 157, so... I'm not really sure how that all averages out to a well, 138, sec- but he was probably red hot before the All Star break, and then ice cold at the end of July after the break. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Yep, that's got to be it. So, I mean, either way, the team's got to get things going. Um, JD has been good still throughout this whole three gamer here, but that's uh, because he's a robot. So. <laughs> he is a robot designed to hit. Um, what's your concern with Chris Sale? Because I think. This happened after we had the podcast last week. I don't think the DL stint was announced um, before the pod last week. Was it week. announced, like, during? Or am oh, I yeah. thinking no, something you're else? right. You're right. It was announced during. Yeah, I think it was, like, yeah. right at the end. And we didn't really get to talk about it. No. Yeah, so, I mean, second time that Chris Sale's gone on the DL. Are you concerned? A little. Um, they haven't really made it seem too concerning, so I guess kind of like what i was saying before i don't really feel like i should get too worked up right now um but yeah i mean it's never good that he's going on the dl twice but they can afford to let him heal like all the way so that's a good thing yeah um i am this is weird so if it was any other player i think i'd be really concerned because shoulder injuries for pitchers are like pretty much the worst thing and the last thing you want to hear but the way that it has just sounded from both chris sale and cora when they talk about it it just seems like they're being overly cautious um and it's kind of weird because i was listening to the radio talk about this and no one who calls why would you do that you always ask this i don't know i just (laughs) have it on um but like they were they were talking about how everybody that calls up was not concerned either and like those are the most reactionary people ever so something about this chris sale injury and the way he's talked about it has made all of us take a deep breath but at the same time like your ace who has historically fallen apart towards the end of the year is now on the disabled list uh for the second time in the month so like you, well, you can't feel good about it i think that's part of the reason people aren't worried is because everyone knows he kind of wears down towards the end of the year so everyone's kind of assuming that this is just the Red Sox trying to avoid that have him like ready for October so that might be wishful thinking and that might just be us like just hoping that's the case and just like trying to wish it into existence but it seems plausible enough that I'm just going to choose to believe it see ya I have an issue with that, though. The issue here is if you were doing that, you would not have activated him in the first place and then put him back on the DL. If you wanted to get this guy, like, a huge chunk of rest, you would have kept him on the DL. Oh, I mean, I definitely think there's something going on with him. But I guess I think that if it was the playoffs, like, or if it was a tight race, he would be pitching, is my guess. I agree with that. I do think that. I'm just a little bit concerned still. Um, I don't know. I'm not like, yeah, I, I mean, I there's no my... way you can't be concerned. I mean, it's Chris Sale on the DL. That's, yeah. There's at least some concern there, obviously. I'm going to put my level of worry at a six, six out of 10. So hmm. 10 would be like, uh, you know, they just 
got like a dirty MRI back on him or something like that. And uh, one is like how we felt about Chris Sale a month ago. So that's I guess I'd at. say four. Four? Okay. Um, what about Nate Ivaldi? Nate has sort of uh, turned back into the guy we kind of thought he was. Not that he's been bad, but he's been Mr. Two times through the order and then give him the hook because third time through, not really cutting it. Yeah, he uh... – I think I might write about this for tomorrow. I don't know. Maybe not. But he's uh, got to throw some off-speed pitches because it's sick that he throws a 97-mile-an-hour cutter. But when they know that only velocity is coming at them, I mean, it was very clear that Cleveland was just ready for it last night. They were jumping on everything early in the count because they knew they hitters can hit velocity now. And yep. so if that's all you're throwing then even i mean if it's moving you should still get some weak contact and he did but you, you he has to mix in some more off speed maybe um, uh david should talk to him yeah i don't think he has that change up but i think <laughs> price's change up is a lot better but i think this is just another sign saying that he's going to be in the bullpen yeah. when october rolls around and he'll he should be better in that role yeah, he should be sick out of the bullpen. That's uh, that's an elite potential late inning option who can go multiple innings. So still kind of need something else even in the bullpen, but it's not as important. Yeah, well, I mean you're gonna be you're gonna be going against the best guys in the playoffs, whether yeah. it's you know this team with Jose Ramirez and Lindor and guys that can crank on high velocity, or whether it's Aaron Judge or you know any of these guys, George Springer. It's Aaron Judge comes back. Yeah, if Judge comes back, that's that's fair. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez, um, he had a really good rehab outing, and uh, he's going to be back in the rotation probably sooner rather than later. When do you think he's actually going to come back, and what, what did you hear about his uh, rehab outing? Uh, well, he was awesome, and he felt good. He could have. They only had him throw four innings, um, but by all accounts, he could have kept going much longer than that. Yeah, he thought it was double A. He dominated them. Um, he is making another rehab appearance on Monday, and I will be there. Nice. Um, and I believe, I don't know, this is from uh, Chris Cotillo, but he said that Christian Vasquez is going to be catching him. Oh, interesting. On Monday. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited for that. Um, but yeah, he's going to, I would expect him back September 1st. Okay. Um, yeah, that'll kind of give them a little flexibility not to mess with the roster at all. Yeah. Was, yeah. Um, Vasquez switched masks. I saw that. Rehab. Yeah. What do you think that's about? I don't know. Um, what did he hurt? Uh, he hurt a finger. Yeah. And I'm so not sure, like, why would it uh, – he's so basically for, for anybody who doesn't know – he switched from a regular catcher's mask to the, one of the hockey-style ones, and I don't know whether or not he's going to do that for games, but I assume if he's playing with it right now, he probably is. Maybe. I mean, are you just did you read something about it, or did you just see it on Nesson last night? I think I just saw it. Yeah, see, I did too. And, I mean, he might be switching to it. He might have just been playing around. Like, yeah. he might have just been like, oh, let's see how I feel about this, and he might not stick with it. But the only thing I can think of is – I don't remember it, but maybe he got hit with a couple of foul tips uh, while he was playing, and he figured that he was resting. Maybe he would give this a shot because he was sick of getting hit with foul tips, and I would assume it um, hockey mask feels better in that respect. But yeah, a little bit more protection probably. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, just um, was just trying it out. Oh, Darwin's in her hand just got promoted to double A. Oh, nice. That's good. Um, so who do you think will get the, the bump out of the rotation when Eduardo comes back? Uh, well, right now, the Velasquez spot, for sure. The Velasquez spot, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. What about when, um, Chris Sale comes back? What do you think? Do you think that they're going to make that move with Eovaldi right away, um, to try and sure up the pen? Get him used to the role? I, I guess it depends when Chris Sale comes back. Because if sales back around the same time, beginning of September, I wouldn't be surprised if they could go six man, or even just like take turns skipping a guy to get 
uh, Price and Porcello some rest, and then uh, transfer Evaldi like with about two weeks left to get him. But um, I think ideally they would like to get Price and Porcello some rest before they get it to October. Yeah, that probably makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I'm just curious if they'll. What do you think uh, is going to happen to um, Brian Johnson? Do you think he's well? He he would be the spot starter to kind of get the rest. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Do you think he has a place on the postseason roster, Brian Johnson? I would think so. I haven't really dug into the specifics yet, so I don't know if. But I mean, just based on feel, I mean, he's done everything they've asked, and he's done pretty well in all those roles. I would think he's going to be on there, but. I'm going to say yeah without really thinking about it too much. Yeah, I'm trying to reason through it here a little bit, and I'm looking at the lefties, and, like, I would obviously prefer him to Pomerantz. I don't think Pomerantz is going to be on it. Uh, If we think that Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be part of the rotation, which we both do, um, they kind of need a lefty out of the pen. I don't know that he would be that guy. Well, who do you think would be that guy? I don't know if they would have that guy. But, I I mean, I guess he would – I guess I think he would be the only lefty, but I don't really see him as, like, a loogie. Like, I don't see him with, I don't know, whatever lefty's coming up late in the game. No. And he's the guy. But it's just a different look, anyhow, you know? Yeah. I mean, I kind of think he would be, if somebody's struggling in the first inning, you get him up. You hope that he can get you, like, the fifth. He'd certainly be more desirable in that role than a guy like Pomerantz would. It yeah, just yeah. doesn't seem like like Pointer and, and Robbie Scott are really in the mix at all. Yeah, I don't think they're going to get a lefty reliever. Um, Luis Avila from the White Sox, who's a pretty good. I mean, he's nothing special, but he's a solid lefty reliever. He got traded to the Phillies today, which means that the Red Sox could have claimed him hmm. because he was from an American League team, and right. they didn't. So I think that is pretty telling of what they think about their need for a lefties. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder, uh, I guess they're just okay. They've been rolling this way pretty much the entire season without I mean, really they having said, a lefty. So. They said, like, before the season started, they don't really think they need a lefty. And they've done well without one. I still would feel better with a lefty, but I don't know. I mean, I think that the bullpen can survive without it, I guess. Well, a guy who could be coming back soon to add to that bullpen, uh, probably in September when rosters expand, is uh, Stephen Wright. Uh, he's been rehabbing. He threw a couple innings the other day. Um, he might be headed up. I'm not sure if he's coming up to Portland, but he's going to be making a rehab assignment soon, I believe. I just read that. I can't remember where I read it. Um, but Cora has said that he's going to head to the bullpen. I mean, that could be a guy yeah. who potentially, depending on how he looks, could take that long man spot for the playoff roster. He could. Um, yeah, it depends. It all depends on how he looks. I mean, a lot. Of, that's how a lot of this is going to be determined. I mean, we're talking about, like, the last spots on the playoff roster, so they'll probably just say whoever has the best September. But I think Brian Johnson would have the upper hand right now. Just because I mean, he's done everything they asked, like I said. He's just been so damn solid. Like, he hasn't been spectacular, but he's just been really rock solid all year. Yeah, you don't, like, you don't see him on the mound and then see the game get away, like, right away. No. That hasn't really happened, so. Yeah, he knows how to pitch. Um, all right, so let's look at the bullpen a little bit as it stands right now. I want to focus not on the back end, but on the top end here. What is your sort of feeling with how uh, Cora is managing the bullpen in high leverage situations? As you've watched games over the last couple weeks, have you seen any changes with who he's going to in high leverage situations? And sort of what's your gut on who he feels most comfortable with right now? I think Brazier and Barnes are neck and neck after Kimbrell, and I'm really surprised by that. I still feel better about Barnes, but... I mean, I think those are definitely his two guys, and I think Hembree's still his guy with runners on base. And then everybody else is kind of, like, 
three notches below them. But I mean, I think Kimbrough, Barnes, Frazier, and Hembry are the big four. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, I also think that if I had to choose between Thornburg and Kelly for how much uh, trust Cora has right now, I think Thornburg has definitely been the guy to get the I think nod. it's getting closer. Yeah. He, he, uh, he's looked good on a few occasions. He still looks bad every once in a while, but when Thornburg comes in and it looks right, uh, it looks like he could be someone who could be relied on in those late-inning situations. But Kelly's I want... looked better of late. He what, has, yeah. Whatever he, that's worth. He looked good yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I still, I don't know that I ever super trusted Joe Kelly, but I mean, I think those guys, unless Frazier falls apart in September, I mean, I think those guys are fighting for like the fifth spot. So it's not a huge deal. Yeah, I can one hundred sixth spot that. actually because Evaldi would probably slot in. Above them. Yeah, I never trusted Joe Kelly. Uh, <laughs> Brazier, though, um, Chris Smith had a really good article the other day, uh, Mass Live, on Brazier and his pitch sequencing. So just a little bit of a shout-out to what we were talking about on the program last week. That's kind of what sets him apart, is just that he's a smart dude with good stuff. So um, I'm pumped that he's in this role. And I actually, this is this might be weird, but I feel better about him right now than I have about Matt Barnes over the last couple weeks. Just based on alone. how they've both looked. Well, yeah, I mean, he's definitely been Barnes, better than Barnes for the last couple of weeks. I guess it's just I would look at the whole season Yeah. over that. But, I mean, you're not alone. Everybody hates Matt Barnes. No, I mean, I don't hate Matt Barnes. No, I know I'm, you don't hate I'm him. I'm definitely team Matt actually. Barnes here. But that I guess that just talks about how good Brazier's looked. Like, he, he's looked like a legit setup man. Yeah, he has. I still, I don't know if I'm just never going to come around, just like I'm stuck in this. And I definitely, that happens to me all the time. I just feel one way and I just can't get my way out of it. I still don't see him. I really don't see him passing Barnes. I still kind of feel like he's going to fall out of that number three spot too. But he, he hasn't given me any reason to feel that way. I should say that. This is my own shit. Um. Looking to um, those situations where men are on base, where Cora does tend to go to Hembry, um, the last few times that he has gone to Hembry here, he's gotten into a little bit of trouble with men on base. Do you think that he might be too soon to go to Hembry in that role in not going to other guys, whether it be Barnes or whether it be Brazier? It seems like he's sort of set into that because Hembry succeeded you know the last in that time... role. But, Do you know the last time Hembry allowed an inherited runner to score? When? Uh, August 5th against the Yankees. Do you know the last time before that? No. April 28th. Wow. So, I mean, he's been fine. He's had some rough outings. Yeah, I guess I've just seen on him. Base. He has only, I should, to be fair, he's only had two other outings since that one where he allowed an inherited runner, but... Um, he came right after the Yankees when he allowed two runs to score. He came in with two runners on against the Blue Jays and stranded them both. So he's been really good in this role all year. I really think Cora would have to see a lot to not trust him anymore. Hmm. I wonder, but what's the benefit though to only using one guy in that type of situation? Because then that kind of locks you into only having like one guy you can go to when men are on base. Well, I don't think – I mean, we've seen Barnes. Barnes has been really good with inherited runners too. We've seen him warming up. I don't think it's only a Hembry thing. I just think they haven't had a lot of situations, like big situations with runners on base. And so Hembry's the first guy in line, and that's really been the only guy they've used. But, I mean, it's clear Cora doesn't trust anyone as much as he trusts Hembry in those situations. Every time there's a runner on base or, like – they think they might have to bring a reliever in the middle of an inning. It's every warming up every single time. Yeah, I can't can't disagree with that, and can't disagree with uh, the results. So the numbers speak for themselves there. Um, in terms of how Cora has been using the pen, one of the things that stood out to me the other day was, um, and I think probably every this stood out to pretty much everybody who was watching the game, but Porcello getting nailed by that pitch and then staying in the game for that next batter. I thought that was kind of nuts, and I did not understand at all why Cora decided to do that, because at the time, I want to say it was Barnes who was ready to go. Like, I think it was Hembry. 
Maybe it was Barnes. I think it was Barnes, but you know, either way, either either one of those guys is a guy you trust, right? And he is basically at 100 pitches at that point and had just been hit in the gut by a 100-mile-an-hour comebacker, and you let him throw? I just thought that was so stupid in so many levels. Um, you know, injury risk, uh, risk for what happened happening. Was that I don't think it was injury risk. No, I don't think so. He looked fine. He was, like, shaken up when it first happened, but he immediately got up. He looked fine. Um, I thought it was Greg Allen. Like, it was a number nine hitter. I was fine leaving him in. Porcello just made a bad pitch. You can't make that pitch. Um, I wouldn't have complained if he t- took him out, but I saw Porcello get up. He looked... 100% fine to me so I at the time I understood it so I can't really say afterwards that I thought it was a terrible move I didn't like it when it was happening only because I think you're more likely to make a terrible pitch after being hit by a hundred mile an hour comebacker like you can't tell me that you're just like totally fine after that you know something's gonna be sore your adrenaline's pumping no but I mean I mean that's a- you have to they watched him throw warm-ups. He said he was fine. I mean, I think you kind of have to believe him. That's kind of in Cora's M.O., is that he's a player's guy, and if the player who has been, like, the durable, I'm going to go out there and give you six, seven innings every time, if he says he can go, I guess he just let him go against the number nine hitter. If that was the identical situation in the playoffs, do you think he would have done the exact oh. same thing? Uh, well, I don't think he would have been pitching in that situation in the first place. But no, if he, if it was the playoffs, there's no way he would have been pitching. No, okay. Playoffs so we, are different. We, we both agree that the shorter move was to go to the pen at that point. Yeah. I, okay. Porcello wouldn't have been that deep in the game in the playoffs to begin with. Yeah, maybe so. But, you know, it's just uh, – it, it stood out a little bit. Core is pretty clearly trying to rest the key guys in the bullpen too. Yeah. Yeah, because he did put Barnes down after he gave up that home run as well. Barnes, Hembry, Kimbrell, and Brazier have all had the last two days off, and Kimbrell and Brazier have had the last three days off. So obviously it's because they've lost, too. That plays a role. But there have been situations where, like, they're down by a run, and you would think, oh, maybe you go with one of the top four guys to keep it that way, and he's not. I think he's using it as a tryout for the other guys and also – getting a chance to rest the big guns makes sense i mean with with a lead like this you can you can do that a little bit you get to make sure this thing doesn't keep getting smaller because they've lost a couple games to the yankees the last two days so that's always hard i mean it's it's hard when you have another team in your division that doesn't ever lose um to kind of tinker with your team so. yeah and the yankees are dropping like flies too and they still won't lose i know Unless that's that's Chapman the thing that's today. ridiculous yeah chapman's knee uh, Sanchez is still out. Judge is going to be out for a longer period of time. Didi's out with the heel. I mean, seriously, they've got Shane Matthews Robinson out. in the starting lineup right now. It's crazy, and it would be nice. If, I mean, just I mean, they're playing the Marlins, so they're not going to lose tonight. But it would be cool if they lost tonight. Yeah. Well, they've done. They it. almost lost that last night. They did. Uh, Pedro, did you see Pedro's tweet? Uh, I got a push notification, but I didn't read it. So Pedro basically tweeted out because he was watching the Yankees Marlins for some reason, and uh, he was just like, "This team has no sort of moxie or like will to to win. Like they just didn't have a killer instinct." He was just he was watching them and thought that they looked kind of like lackadaisical. I'm paraphrasing at this point, but um, it was nice to see a little Pedro shade on the Yankees. Just, uh, <laughs> that is nice. I like that. Yeah, during a little, little three-game losing streak, you know, I had to check it because after I saw the tweet, I was like, oh, Yankees must have lost. And then I go and look, and they won 2-1 to one in the 12th. But, you know, still uh, still good when Pedro's hating. Um, so I want to confirm our feelings on Sandy Leon here. I just saw – uh, stat today while I was reading that Sandy Leon has the best catcher ERA in baseball. Uh, it's a little uh, over three. It was at, I think it was at 3.01 is what I saw at the uh, ERA. So I mean, yeah. that's a it's not a good stat, but Sandy Leon's really good. Catcher ERA is like I would argue it's way more influenced by the pitcher than the catcher, but 
Sandy Leon is very good. Yeah, I have never used catcher ERA before. Yeah, I was uh, a little weirded out that you mentioned it. Yeah, yeah, I just saw it today, and it was just kind of interesting because I've always thought, like, you know, I wish there was some great way to measure that from what we're seeing, you know, game calling and and uh, just confidence and pitch framing and put that all in one mix that was reliable. I know we don't really have that right now, but, um, you know, it's just nice to see that even shitty stats are confirming that Sandy Leon's an awesome catcher. Yeah, he's fantastic, and he's going to catch every day in the playoffs, and I am good with that, even if he doesn't hit a lick, which he probably won't. But he'll he'll have a couple big ding-dongs. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Every time I think Leon gets all of it, it goes like 250 feet. <laughs> Come on, man. You're talking about love, Johnny Bench I, Leon here. I love Sandy Leon. He doesn't have that much power. I don't know. I don't know. I think you're, uh, you're selling his muscles a little short. Give him a little bit of rest. He's going to be fine. He's going to he's going to crack an important postseason home run, and then he's going to he's going to send you a selfie of him with the bat. It's going to happen. Frame it. Yeah, that'd be really nice. Um, all right, thoughts on the Paw Sox move to Worcester? Mm, probably different than yours. I feel bad for Pawtucket more than anything. Why do you feel bad for Pawtucket? because they've had the team for a long time and now they don't not like the city like the people that live there like, yeah i don't care about like the municipality or whatever, but yeah like rhode island people that live around there i know what it's like like if the sea dogs got taken away i would be heartbroken that would never like happen. even if i think like if this ever happened and like the city wanted to put up public money or whatever i would vote against it but i would still be bummed out if they left hmm yeah, I feel bad for Paw Sox fans as well. Uh, they've had the team since 1973. McCoy's been there since 42, 1942. Um, so it's an old stadium. They weren't able to secure public money to you know get that done and agree on that. And it was a big fiasco. And Rhode Island politicians are notoriously not the best. So I'm not 100% shocked that it uh, didn't happen. But... Uh, as a Worcester native, I am very, very excited uh, about this move because Worcester's never had affiliated baseball. They've had the, the tornadoes. tornadoes, which you know, a couple of those games. Yeah, I mean that was okay baseball. It was independent league baseball, and now they have playing where uh, the tornadoes used to play at Holy Cross. They have the Bravehearts, which is sort of a uh, college all-star team, Division One, Division Two guys that play there. So it's a completely different brand of baseball. Um, but they've never had, you know, any sort of affiliated team with the Red Sox. And even when they've had AHL teams, they had the Ice Cats and they had, uh, the, uh, Worcester Sharks and, um, both of those teams, the affiliates were the St. Louis Blues for the Ice Cats and, uh, the, uh, San Jose Sharks for the Worcester Sharks. So those affiliates weren't close. And because of those reasons, was the, the team left. So, uh, Worcester's always been good at supporting these teams when they came out. Ice Cats were top four in uh, attendance while they were there. So uh, it's uh, it's good to see them get a nice facility. They're going to be building a brand-new facility downtown the Canal District with um, you know lots of seating and nice concessions. So it's going to be good for for the city. And um, Still shouldn't know. have given Larry Lucchino any money. Nobody should give Larry Lucchino money. <laughs> that is my opinion. Uh, Brian's going to have an article about the whole yes. financial breakdown of uh, all this stuff. And then I'm going to have an article coming out about this as well, sort of talking about why they made the move to Worcester. Uh, so that was just a little sneak preview of that. But uh, I'm not going to have an article, exciting. but they need to uh, not be called the Red Sox. Yeah, this I don't know what they'll be called. Be called. They're going to be called the Red Sox. I'm 100% sure about that. Well, let me but just clarify here, though, because – um, everybody's saying like, oh, Woo Sox, Woo Sox, what a bad name. But like, it's awful. That's not the official name though. Like, no, I know, but it's awful. That, I don't know what it is, but it's awful. Well, I, I, I'm friendly with the guy who runs the Woo Sox Twitter account, and uh, tell him it's bad. <laughs> sure, I'll tell him it's bad. But you know, um, I don't actually think it's that bad. But you know, it's it, whatever. It makes me think of the Woo Girls episode of How I Met Your Mother. And that's not a good episode of How I Met Your Mother. I mean, no. Who watches that show, Matt? That was a good show. No, 
come on. Save it for the How I Met Your Mother podcast, but that was a good show. <laughs> but I, I just want everybody to know that nothing's been decided in terms of like exactly what the name is, and they're more likely to go with just Worcester Red Sox than they are Woo Sox. That's well, it's the same as the Paw Sox. I mean, nobody thinks that's the official name. No, but like Paw Sox people say Paw Sox, people don't say Woo Sox. No well, one it's says only been a few days. <laughs> right, I'm just saying. I think they're trying to make it a thing, and I don't think they should be trying to make it a thing. I don't think they're trying to make it a thing. I think it's conveniently branded already because when they were trying to get the team there, it was a thing, independently. I just team. think it sucks when uh, minor league teams like just use the major league name. And the Red Sox do that with two of their affiliates. Like It's garbage. They should just have an original name. Um, the first uh, perfect game in uh, MLB history was thrown in Worcester in 1880. So maybe they could have a name that has something to do with that. Uh, Father of modern, modern Rocketry is from the Worcester area as well. They maybe could be the Worcester Rockets. Uh, there's a lot of lot of team names they could have. So maybe Rockets they'll get something new. you got to do something fun like the Rumble Ponies or something like that. Have some fun with it. The Paw Sox were called the Hot Wieners last year or something like that. So you, the minor league baseball is silly. Do something silly. I saw a dude walking around with a hot wiener shirt on uh, when I was getting a sandwich the other day in Waltham. It looked looked pretty cool. That is, that is a decision somebody made. I'll say that. Yeah, it's definitely it's a, a choice. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so I want to continue here with minor league ball a little bit because we haven't got a real chance to deep dive into the minor leagues uh, very much uh, recently. And to be honest, there hasn't been like a whole lot of great stuff happening in the minor leagues for the Red Sox, but you recently just saw Portland, so I wanted to see if you had any, uh, you know, takeaways from, from the game you were at. Yeah, um, so Portland's roster is awful. I'll say that right off the bat. They don't really have any exciting players except for Dahlbeck and Chavis, but those are two pretty exciting players. That was the first time I got to see Chavis, which is kind of unbelievable for how long he's been up, but... Uh, I love that dude. I'm all in on Michael Chavis. He, his approach was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. And when he makes contact, it is, it makes a sound off the bat. Like, I don't want to be that guy who says that cliche thing, but I said it and I believe it. So I'm in on Chavis. I think that he is the best prospect in the system. I don't think it's close. I think he's going to be a top 100 guy uh, next before next season, and I don't really have any doubts about it. Uh, Dahlbeck played a pretty nice third base. He did not have a good game at the plate when I saw him. Obviously, just one game, so I am not going to say that he's bad or anything, but I see the swing and miss, and I see that he is vulnerable to breaking balls, so... Um, yeah, I think he, I can see in his build that he's a big, he's a big dude. He's got, obviously has the power. He's got to work on some things, but that was obvious to everyone even before. So, uh, biggest takeaway is that Shavis, I'm in, I love him. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, Shavis has been smoking the oh, shit out of the ball. Yeah. <laughs> he's got like a 700-something slugging percentage over the last he couple of weeks. He should probably be Pawtucket. He's, he's done with double-A, but yeah. they don't uh, really remember him. The, the biggest difference between those two guys, though, is Dahlbeck's defense is a whole hell of a lot better than Shavis's would ever be at third base. And then Shavis's hit tool is a lot more advanced than Dahlbeck's. Yeah, for sure. Um, Chavis played first the day I saw him. He looked okay over there. His footwork's fine. Um, I'm still not sure if he has the size for that spot, but I think the bat's going to play. I don't know if he's ever going to play with the Red Sox. I kind of feel like they're going to trade him, but uh, I think wherever he plays, the bat is going to be definitely a major league quality. Who did you see for pitchers when you were there? I saw Kyle Hart. Okay. Um I kind of liked him. I don't know if it's because I wanted to like him because he, he was good. He's, I don't think he's pitching in the majors. I'll say that if he does, it's going to be a short stint, but, uh, he doesn't have good stuff, 
but he mixed his pitches and he commanded them pretty well. So, yeah, I mean, he was nothing special, but I, I've seen uh, Teddy Stankiewicz pitch probably 700 times <laughs> in my life. So I was just happy to not see Teddy Stankiewicz. Yeah, it's nice. And uh, Kyle Hart's a lefty too, so it's, uh, he'll live forever in the minor leagues, even if he doesn't make the show. Um, what about Danny Marsh? Did you get to see him? Yeah, I uh, I don't think he played. Yeah, he did play. He didn't really do much. I saw him. He's he's had kind of a bad year. I liked him a lot last year, but uh, he's kind of like one of those guys that I love where he doesn't have any power, but he's fast. He uh, I'm reading Sox prospects scouting report on him. I think I like his defense more than they do. I think he can play center field. They don't seem to think so. But uh, I like his defense. He hits line drives, and he's fast, so he's a guy I like. I don't really think he's a major leaguer, though. Tate Matheny's probably the better outfielder out of them. But he's he's the uh, Rule 5 eligible this year, too, so he might not even Danny be Mars? with the... Yeah, Danny Mars. I would be very surprised. He might, even if he got drafted, I don't think he's making a roster out of spring training. No, he'd probably be returned, but, you yeah. know, something to watch anyhow. Um, I want to ask you, who do you think is more likely to make it to the Red Sox and actually play for the Red Sox for a significant period of time? Do you think it's going to be Dahlbeck, or do you think it's going to be Chavis? Uh, probably Dahlbeck, because he can play third base, and I guess... Uh... Devers has to move across the diamond, which I still don't think is super likely. But if that happens, Dahlbeck would be more likely to uh, play third. Plus, he's farther away, so they have, can wait longer to make a decision. Chavis is kind of like he'll be in the majors next year at some point. Um, but I think Chavis is the better player. I think Dahlbeck is a better chance of playing for the Red Sox for a while. I actually think it's going to be Chavis for some reason. I just think they're going to try and keep uh, Devers at third base for as long as possible. And I'm just not super confident that Dahlbeck won't be traded um, before he reaches the big leagues. I kind of think he will be. Well, he could be. I think Chavis could be, too. I think Chavis could be, too. I just think that there's more... um, I guess I just think that there's going to be a lot of excitement about Dahlbeck after the season that he's had, and he seems like a, a sell-high guy for Dave Dombrowski, whereas I think that Chavis' value still won't be as fully recovered as it might be next year after another season in the minor leagues. I don't know, man. I mean, I think among fans that might be true, but I think scouts that are walking, watching Michael Chavis right now are pretty damn excited because they're seeing that still the guy he was last year yeah yeah could be um i want to get to some other minor leaguers though can you pick two guys you cover you know this stuff you look at the box scores every single day you read about these guys over the course of the year two guys who you think increased their stock the most in 2018 hmm. um I would say uh, not a lot of guys really increase their stock all that much. Well, Dahlbeck um, might be the most obvious one. Dahlbeck right? is the most obvious one for sure. I don't really mention him because we talked about him so much. But yeah, he's definitely raised his stock the most. I guess like Cutter Crawford would probably be I think another that's safe one. To say. Yeah, but he's still not that exciting. I mean, that's the thing. What about uh, Reyes? Denny Reyes. Denny Reyes. He's another guy. Scouts don't really like him as much as his numbers. Um, I'm super intrigued, but I can't really like get all that excited just because I've never seen him. So. What about uh, Jaron Duran? That might be a good name. Yeah, so I was going to mention him, but I don't know if he counts because he was just drafted. Yeah. He doesn't have stock yet. But where so was I mean, he drafted? Fifth round? Sixth round? Seventh round? Seventh round. Seems to be performing pretty well for a seventh rounder. Hey, I love Duran. Um, he's another guy. I think the, the numbers are definitely inflated compared to the scouting reports. Um, he's also another guy I've never seen. But I actually talked to some people about him, and uh, they think he is certainly exciting, 
and he's certainly fast, but like his power numbers are really being helped by bad defense. Yeah, in his speed. Yeah, he could take advantage of bad minor league defenses and take those extra bases. So I'm in on Duran. He's probably my favorite guy in the system just because he's like I was talking about with Mars. He's my favorite kind of player, so I hope he does well. I'm just not sure. I just hope the hype doesn't build up too much because I think people are going to be disappointed. I think there's a lot of guys that have gotten better in the second half, like Tanner Houck, since they let him go back to his old style. That's yeah. been a lot. I hesitate um, to put much stock in that, that, though, just because you kind of expect him to dominate that level as a first-round college pick, You know, going back to his original stuff that he succeeded with in the SEC. Yeah, but given how bad he looked early it was just nice to see that there is some potential for him. Um, I'm waiting till next year to really form an opinion because I feel like he's one of those guys you have to see and he'll be in Portland next year. Assuming he doesn't get traded. Um, lower level, Pedro Castellanos is a guy that has really helped himself in the second half. He was kind of like a sleeper coming into the year. He had an awful first half, but he's a first baseman. Greenville, and he's been hitting a lot better. So um, the Red Sox have a lot of first basemen that don't hit for enough power. He's another one, but he's lower down, so he has more time to develop that in-game power at least. Yeah, the Sox prospects guys, just to talk about what they think about him a little bit because they've seen him obviously a lot more than – I don't. I haven't seen him. I don't know if you've I've seen him. I've never seen him. him. No, but, he's, uh, he didn't go to Lowell, so. They seem to think that uh, he needs to rebuild his swing if he's ever going to tap into that power because apparently he drives it into the ground frequently. That so. that doesn't surprise me. That sounds like uh, he's got Sam Travis disease. <laughs> a good disease to have. Yeah, it's definitely not good. Sam Travis has been better over the last couple of weeks, and we will probably see him uh, when rosters expand. So that's well, I mean, so he'll definitely be up. I just hope we don't see him. Like ever. You really, you really don't like that guy. Poor Sam Travis. I, I don't think he's a good major league baseball player. No, I don't either. That's, that's my only opinion on him. All right, let's get to some listener questions here. We have a lot today, so we'll try and get through these quickly. Uh, Tim Hamilton asks, uh, we just lost three in a row. Please remind us that everything is going to be fine. Yes, we did Tim, that, Tim. everything's going to be fine. Yeah, everything's going to be peachy. Um Next one comes from Be Careful, They Have Bear Mace. Uh, he says, I read on a gambler's blog, uh, batters facing us with the bases loaded have an abnormally terrible average. Do you worry our run has been mainly luck and will be exposed in the playoffs? Matt, what do you think? Mainly luck? No. Some luck? Obviously. Yep. That's baseball. Um, they have the second lowest BABIP against... With the bases loaded, Cleveland has the lowest. So Cleveland's worse than the Red Sox confirmed. Now, the Red Sox also have the eighth highest strikeout rate, which helps the batting average a bit. So, and elite outfield defense. Yes, yeah. elite outfield defense certainly helps. Um, no, I mean, they've obviously been lucky. Anyone who says otherwise doesn't know what they're talking about. But it doesn't mean that it won't continue in the playoffs, and it also doesn't mean that it's been all luck. They're super talented. Also, that bullpen's going to get a boost from one of the starters moving to the pen. So. A huge boost. Yeah. So that could counteract anything there. Uh, Ski Chick says, I am now terrified of the Indians. Talk me off the ledge. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll do this. Uh, Indians, a very good baseball team. Uh, have not been a good defensive team this year. Um, you know, they have good pitching. A um, couple really awesome hitters, but... One thing that I've noticed about the Indians is that they're just not a super deep lineup. Um, so uh, I think they'll get better when Edmund Encarnacion comes back. back today. He just got back. Um, so there you go. I mean, they're a good team, but I don't you think You should be terrified they... of the Indians is my take. You should yeah. be terrified of every AL contender. See, we differ on this. I'd say you only be terrified of teams that are outright better than you, and no team is outright better than the Red Sox. Uh. If you watch you watch playoff baseball before, there's nothing more terrifying than playoff baseball. Well, yeah, you be terrified that's very true. Of every playoff opponent. Yeah, that's fair. But don't be more scared of them than you would any other team. No, no, yeah. they are 
as good as the rest of the American League contenders, which is a very good group. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Otis Hart asks our next question. He says, the Cubs just traded for Daniel Murphy and now have like 10 infielders for four spots. Where would you like to see the Red Sox add redundancy? Matt, what do you think? Uh, bullpen, I guess. Would that count as redundancy? Yeah, I think so. Um, what about on the in the field, though? Outfield? I think that's that's where I thought. That's where I would go to initially is outfield. A fast outfielder. Yeah, I think uh, that goes back to the speed guy that we both kind of want. A guy who's got good defense and good speed. Who you know? I don't even care about defense. Team. They don't need defense help. Just be able to run, steal a base, and score from first on a double. Yeah, I like that. Uh, next question comes from Andre Luis Martins, and he says, question for Jake. Imagine this situation. Oh, so good. <laughs> Price and JD became close friends, and Price says, I'm opting out. JD says, if you opt out, I'm opting out too. In this situation, do you still want David Price to opt out? Um, no. Uh, I thought you were going to say yes. I was going to yell at you. No, I... Anything that keeps J.D. Martinez on the Red Sox is okay with me, and I have to give David Price some credit as much as it hurts me to do because I think David Price is an asshole. Um, He has moved over to the other side of the rubber, and he has been throwing different pitches in different situations. He has looked really, really good, Uh, and he did pitch okay against the Yankees. So uh, Okay. Credit to him. He was really good against the Yankees, wasn't he? No. He Am was I talking about my head? Yeah, he was. He was like completely average against the Yankees. He was fine. He gave up like three runs. Two runs, six innings. He was fine. I guess I was talking up a little bit, but he was still really good. He was. It seemed really good compared to what he did before. He shot people. Up, I'll say that. Yeah, and he's looked. He's looked good. So. Uh, our own Mike Carlucci asks our next question. Uh, he says, can slash will MLB crack down on resting players via the DL? Um, unless players complain. Not really. Yeah, I don't see much that they could do about this right now. Like, how would you prove that it wasn't actually an injury? Well, I think you have to go through a neutral doctor but i mean it's not hard to find injuries for guys this time of year yeah especially uh you know i mean everybody's banked up right no one feels 100 percent right now it's a matter of players complaining about it and if players don't complain about it then it's just the way it's gonna be um next question comes from will wickwist and he says who makes the playoff roster swihart or a healthy vasquez who are you going with in this situation i know i'm rolling with swihart yeah, I don't know. I think it depends a lot on what happens in September. And I'll okay. Let me put it this way: if they trade for a pinch runner, mm-hmm. I'll say it's Vasquez. If they don't, I'll say it's Swihart because they do view Swihart as a pinch running kind of guy. I think it's going to be Swihart because I think that he gives the team more versatility. Um, they clearly think Leon is the primary catcher now. You've shown that. Um, Swihart has a better bat. They clearly have used his bat in situations to pinch hit and things like that. He also has moved around the diamond a bunch. So I think that the combination of the bat, being able to play different places, and that he's shown that he has more than passable defense at catcher uh, makes him the more valuable guy for the postseason. I guess I would just say that he hasn't been hitting super well lately, but he also hasn't been playing that much lately. Yeah, he's barely had any PT. Yeah. Um, next question comes from Kings uh, JD slash Brock twenty twenty. That'd be a good ticket. Uh, he says, uh, "When is Pointer coming back? September first, right?" Um, might even be later. I don't know when Tuckett's season ends, but uh, they got to keep some guys down until that season ends. So. Paw Sox end on the third of September and yeah, so. I wouldn't not be surprised playoffs. yeah I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't until the 4th you gotta have some guys though yeah okay uh, JP 
asks our next question. This is an interesting lineup one, Matt. Uh, it says, does it make sense to move Mookie to the second spot? Stat heads say your best hitter should hit second. What about a lineup of Benny, Mookie, JD, Xander, Moreland slash Pierce, Kinsler, Nunez, uh, Leon, and uh, JBJ? I like that lineup better. I don't think it makes that big of a difference. I think people overrate lineup order a lot. Unless you're like really fucking it up and putting like Mookie sixth and JD eighth or something crazy, it doesn't make that big of a difference. And at this point, I think Mookie's probably comfortable in the leadoff spot, and so you just keep him there. Yeah, he's been the best hitter in baseball in the lineup spot, uh, so I wouldn't move it right now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if uh, Benny would be as good as he's been at a leadoff spot. I do think the leadoff spot is a little bit of a mentality switch, and clearly Mookie is very comfortable with that. Um so I think that it might actually be a harder place to hit, um, which in that case, I would be in favor of keeping it the way it is. See, I don't know. This is another reason I think it's overrated. It only matters for one inning. After that, it's just like any other spot. That's true. Yeah. But over a course of a season, that guy's yeah. going to get more at-bats than anybody else. Yeah, for sure. But we only have a month left in the season, so. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think either of these lineups would be great. But, yeah, the, he's definitely right about that. Second hitter batting second. And I think the Angels do that with Trout, don't they? Yeah, I think a lot of teams do that. Yeah. And, I mean, I think I'm pretty sure cleanup is a better spot than third, statistically speaking. Oh, so I think you would put JD. Just because the third hitter comes up a lot with two outs and nobody on in the first inning. So you'd rather have them lead off, which is more likely. But, again, not a huge difference either way. Yeah. Okay. Um, next question comes from uh, Paul Dorn, and he says, It's well documented that the best play is the score runs play. What is the second best play in the Red Sox uh, hand playbook? The prevent runs play. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. Um, yeah. Almost as good. Yeah, I think – well, what's your ideal prevent runs play? Let's talk about that for a second. Do you like it better when Sale strikes out the side for the prevent runs play, or do you like it better when JBJ makes an otherworldly catch in the outfield and then, like, doubles someone off? Oh, give me the defense. Yeah, me too. Uh, sure. <laughs> especially I think everybody this outfield. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's so good to watch this outfield. Um, it, we're so spoiled by this outfield, too. Boston has never had an outfield like this, ever. Like, since I've been a Red Sox fan, they've never had an outfield, even well, remotely this athletic. Most of the time I've been a Red Sox fan, Manny Ramirez is in left field, so they definitely never had an outfield like this. Yeah, but even, like, when you think of other positions, like, you know, right fielders, they've been good, but they haven't been, like, Mookie Betts. That dude no. just runs. It's, it's yeah, awesome. It, it's fantastic. Uh, we have two more from Andre Luis Martins. We'll uh, hit these together. He says uh, he wants us to bring Matty Matty 2000 uh, back on the show. Uh, that's Matt Corey. We have had him on the show a bunch. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll make a point to get Matt back on the show. Matt's a great guy, as long as it's not with Brian, because Brian uh, and Matt had a <laughs> – I missed that one. Yeah, that was, that was funny. Um, next question, he says, do you think Stephen Wright has any chance of starting a game in the playoffs? When he's on, he's almost unhittable. I think he has zero chance of doing this, and Cora said he's going to the pen. I think things would have to go really shitty if somebody has to get hurt. Yeah, exactly. Um, they're not going to be relying on him. Um, KPN Hero uh, asks our next question. He says, uh, "Are there any minor league pieces to keep on the radar for this expanded roster that we haven't seen in the majors this year yet?" We got this one last week, uh, and I think we talked about Lakins being the guy. Do you? see anybody else at this point that we haven't seen we haven't seen Shepard he's on the 40 man so okay. I assume he'll I don't know if he'll pitch but he'll be in the clubhouse and uh he doesn't really fit the mold of probably what this questioner is looking for but I wouldn't be surprised to see Brandon Phillips up either okay a couple dudes that dude uh Dean uh, has some Mike Schwarren speculation too but I don't think that's gonna happen 
Um, Dean has our next question. He says, will we get a lefty reliever in the next 10 days? Matt, you think definitely not based on what uh, we saw from them not claiming that lefty. Yeah, I think Luis, the Luis Sevilla thing spoke volumes. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think they add anything to the team uh, other than potentially a runner, and I don't even think I don't they think, do that. No, they said, well, Cora said they don't need him, which he doesn't really have any reasons to say otherwise, but. He said they don't need shit. Look at our record. <laughs> um, he actually called out Swire specifically when he said why they don't need him. My boy right there. Love it. Love the confidence. I don't think Swihart's that guy. Um, Swihart is that dude. Number two. The new and improved, healthy, younger one. Uh, Ridgy Pidgey, or I don't know. How the hell do Ooh, I say that, should... Matt? Uh, hold on. Edwin Nacarassion just blasted a fucking home run. Um... Ridgy Pidgey? Yeah. Is that how we say it there? I think so. Okay. Are we actively trying to trade for anyone? Uh, blah, blah, blah. He talks about Herrera, and he says he'll listen and hang up. Uh, we both think no, and Cora says no, so probably not. I think they would love to get Herrera. There's a 0% chance Herrera would make it to them on waivers. Yeah, I agree with that. Even with a bum shoulder that he's dealing with right now, there's no way. You'd have to go through every team in baseball. That's just like uh, next one, Nano. He says, are the Sox doomed? I'm worried they're doomed. No, they're not doomed. You're doomed if you keep thinking like that. <laughs> uh, last question comes from Tyler Dalton. He says, will we ever win again? Yes, we'll win tonight. No. The Red Sox, we're all going to die before <laughs> the Red Sox win another game. That is my bold prediction. All right. I like it. That is very on brand for Matt. Uh, so we'll end with that. Um, if you enjoyed the show, go on, uh, subscribe to the show, rate and review us, uh, iTunes and Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts, you can subscribe there. Uh, follow us on Twitter. You can follow the Over the Monster account at at Over the Monster. You can follow myself on Twitter at, at DevJake. You can follow Matt on Twitter at MattRYCons. And uh, we will be with you next week at that same time. So thank you for the questions, guys, and uh, we'll be with you again.